Hey, hey, welcome back to Stub Me Down. My name is JW. I am here as usual with my longtime friend, Skinny. Skinny, say hello to the people. Hey, everybody. How you guys doing? J-Dubs, how are you? I hope to see you uh, soon, not via webcasting or whatever we're doing, Zooming. It would be nice. It's the end of June. Usually we would be in the midst of shows. We would be getting ready for shows. The Fourth of July is coming up in a couple of days. And this is the music season for people like us, Skinny. And to not be able to do that, we talked a little bit about not being able to do that in episode six of Stub Me Down. But not being able to do that now has been very difficult and especially not being able to hang out with my family, my friends like you, go see shows, have the amazing time that we always end up having. It really sucks, man. Uh, Yeah, Josh, it really does suck. I'll tell you what, the worst part is that so much has been canceled, postponed or whatever. So, you know, you just have to keep pushing through. Uh, Hopefully, you know, things all work out and, and next summer will be amazing. You know, summer's my jam. So it's rough, but I know it's a lot rougher for other people. So, you know, I try to keep that all in perspective. I'm just happy to be here and we get the opportunity to go back and record another episode and we're going to keep we're going to keep pushing through. Very true. Very true. We are lucky to be able to talk about the music. One of the reasons that we're doing this is because we knew that we might not be able to see the same shows that we had already lined up for us. So it is great to still be able to spend some time. And hey, the whole point of Stub Me Down is to go back and take a look at some of the sick ass concerts that we have been to together separately. We did that in episode six. Episode six of Stub Me Down was a July 6, 1990 Grateful Dead show. Our first Grateful Dead show, not our first Grateful Dead related. Episode four, we took a look at a Phil and Friends show. But this was our first Grateful Dead show. Of course, I was not there because I was going into eighth grade. Christian was a recent high school graduate and was a little bit ahead of me as far as the concert curve. This was a really soulful Grateful Dead show in my estimation, going and listening back to it a couple of times. Jerry sounded great. Desolation Row, really nice ramble on Rose. Deeper tune, Standing on the Moon, He's Gone. So really a lot of fun for me to listen to and to hear from Skinny. Yeah, man, I was happy to do that show. It was really fun to bring back some memories of uh, of that show. I... I I can't wait for a couple of my buddies to listen back to this episode when they hear what we've talked about, considering the dynamics of you did not see The Grateful Dead and I had seen that and we were kind of on a little bit of a run that summer in 90, a year after we had graduated and and just the relationships. And this is why we are doing this. We're doing this because we want to relive the things that we've seen. And I think it's important for fans out there, or if you're not a fan, to remember that the premise of the show is that either Josh or myself pulls a show, talk a little bit about the context of the show, and then we try kind of dive into the music a little bit. And I think everybody understands that when you're seeing a show, although it's just a rock concert, uh, for people like us, it, it means a lot more. It's a little bit about family, about friends, uh, getting together, uh, enjoying some really fun times, some funny times, and even some sad times. So we find ourselves here, episode seven, Stub Me Down. We've recorded six of these, Skinny, and we've covered 
four fish shows, a Phil and Friends show, and a Grateful Dead show at this point. So sitting here in the position of episode seven and taking just a quick look over your shoulder, how would you look back at our first six episodes and give an evaluation or criticism or whatever kind of feedback that you might have if you were not one of the hosts of the show? This is a great question. I told you, you're a great questioner. The best thing that we've done is talked about the context and why we love uh, seeing bands so much and why it's so important for us. That's definitely been touched upon. And then also I would say what we need to work on, we need to work on maybe diving into the music a little bit more. Somebody out there might be like, these guys are talking about these pretty cool shows, but they're not talking about what the music brought to them I don't know. What am I going to say? Like spiritually, whatever it may be. I mean, I can talk about that too. And I know that you can, we've had these conversations. So it's, it, it's difficult actually to, to get this going, but I would say that my reflection would be growth. We, we've grown a lot in six episodes and I hope that we continue to do that. So growth and effort. How about that? I've seen the growth as we've gone through. We, have a natural ability to talk to each other. Of course, we have 20 something years of experience doing that. So, and we constantly are talking about re-listenability and we're constantly talking about why do you go back to check out a show that you maybe were at or why is this show from 97 that you weren't at so good or, or, or whatever. And the ability to take a look through what we have seen and to have an appreciation or to remember that really was a, a great show. I think today's show that we're going that I'm going to be stubbing you down on is a great example of going back and saying, here's a show that maybe not a lot of people have heard before, have paid attention to, but that really hits when it comes to listening to a fish show. You're, you're stubbing me down with a fish show? Which one is it? You'll find out in a minute. But to go and have these rich conversations about fish from the early summer of 2000, to talk about the Grateful Dead when you were still in your teens, and to talk about going to see Phil and Friends when you and I were really first taking off as far as going to see shows and re-listening to those shows, we are... I mean, at some point, we're going to pull a crappy show. But really, how crappy could it be? Because unless it's like Fish Coventry, and we could probably still find some nuggets to fill 40 minutes talking about Fish Coventry, but we have seen in an incredible amount of music, but I will also say that we have the quality of that music. So we got quantity and we have quality when it comes to the music that you and I have spent our time, especially together as friends seeing, but even outside of that, we've seen a ton of great music and I've really enjoyed going back and checking out some of that stuff that maybe had just been on the shelf or in a CD book for five, 10 years and I really hadn't even entertained it for a while. There are shows that I haven't listened to Sometimes I guess I say to myself, I cannot believe I heard that version because later on, and I'll just say for Fish, for example, in the 3.0 era, 
there's a lot of ranking. There's a lot of people saying, well, it wasn't like this. It wasn't like that. It's exactly the same way that the Grateful Dead was. Exactly. I saw a dark star later on, but I didn't see the one at Hampton. So it wasn't as good as the one at Hampton. Again, that's like a ranking. But I think what we've done here is maybe provide a platform for people to say, I'm going to go back and listen to that show. Whether or not they agree with what we're saying, uh, that doesn't really matter to me. I, I think it's important that we're just trying to turn people on kind of that Timothy Leary aspect. But I agree with you, Josh. We're providing this opportunity for people to listen to shows that we're actually getting back in tune with. And I think it's awesome that we're doing that. So my final reflection is super happy about it. (laughs) People can start referring to us as the super terrific happy hour. (laughs) I think that's uh, taken, but I, you know, if you want to call this episode that super terrific happy hour. With that in mind and knowing that we can't add any new tickets to the collection at this point. I thought it was interesting that there was just an article recently, uh, an interview with Trey Anastasio in Relics, and they asked him a lot. Some of the musicians these days are doing live streams. They're doing Zoom concerts. So the question in this article, and I won't read the whole thing, but I thought it was interesting for a podcast that is discussing going to concerts Certainly the aspect of watching, I would definitely watch if Fish did a Zoom, they were all in a different location or Zoomed from the barn or something like that. But the question was, you mentioned that you're not doing live streams or performing via Zoom. Jason Isbell recently appeared at Brooklyn Bowl Nashville with fans tuning in and having their own feeds projected over the bowling lanes. Have you considered doing something like that? And Trey's response is, quote, I've been asked numerous times to do similar things to what Jason did. I love Jason and I'm friends with him. It was a great thing, but for me so far, I've said no. So much of what I do is informed by the close proximity of the people in the front row, in the front 10 rows, and even by the person in the back row. We don't have a song list because that connection is a big part of who we are as a band and who I am. I think the fish experience is very much about the group think. It's the same with Tab or the trio. I do a prayer before I go on stage. I don't decide what the first song's going to be. I think about it a little, but I can't decide until people are standing in front of me. I've tried. The guys in Tab make fun of me. They'll, say, they'll ask, what are we going to open with? And I'll tell them, we're opening with sand. But then I, I walk on stage and I see everyone. I turn around and I say, we're not opening with sand. I don't know if I want to play without our community with me. It's a bridge I haven't been able to cross. And so he goes on a little bit more and talks a little bit about it. But the whole idea of being present really rings through with his quotes there. And that honestly is is for us. And we can watch dinner and movie. We can watch an old show. And they can come out and they could play a bunch of stuff. But going to a concert is going to a concert. It ain't watching it on TV. You don't count your fish streams in your concert numbers right like does everybody get a concert if trey and the boys like record from the barn like do we all get to out like i'll be at 147 now like how does that work we don't all get a concert the concert is being at the concert and i think that that's very important for trey and comes through in that quote to to pull something together like that takes a lot of effort a concert takes a lot of effort. So 
if you're not really having the 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 group think there, if you're not having all the people there that are fans of yours, that follow you around, that are uh, interested, engaged, and and want to be there, I feel like for a musician that would be off-putting. I understand where Trey's coming from because he doesn't want to just do something that's half-assed. There is no vibe. I don't. I, I don't think for Trey if the people aren't in front of them. And I think part of that quote, he explains that no vibe, no music, other people that have done it. I know the disco biscuits just did something and, and that's great. And kudos to them for, for trying to keep the music alive. I watch fish on YouTube all the time. It doesn't mean that I'm seeing like my 7,000th show. Well, and I think it's the same for fans as well. The live experience is Yes, what's happening in front of you, but it's also what's happening around you and who is with you enjoying that same moment. So I definitely have an appreciation for what he's saying. Fish wants to keep it real, man. I'm grateful for that. And I know that when they do get the opportunity to play in front of us again, it's going to fucking blow the roof off of whatever room they happen to be in. I can't wait to do it. and. I can't wait to talk about this episode's show because this is a good one. If you haven't checked out this show, you should definitely add it to your list. Uh, so if you don't know the premise, if you haven't listened to the show, or maybe you're just like catching on to this podcast, the first one you've listened to. So JW and, and I have collected a lot of ticket stubs over a lot of years. Uh, some shows that we've been at together, some shows that we haven't. And we like to select a stub. We talk about that show in depth as much as we know what depth is. (laughs) I guess I'm about to get stubbed down. So, J-Dubs, are you stubbing me down? What do you got? I am, yeah. Skinny, you ready to be stubbed down? Episode 7, man. Let's get it. You ready to be stubbed down? And Let's go. Go ahead. Skinny, we were both at this show, my friend, and this show was September 15th. It was a Friday night, September 15th, 2000. Fish from the Hershey Park Stadium in Pennsylvania. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Man, I I know we've already done a show from the Summer 2000 tour. We did your second show in episode three. It was a great show. That show was a great show, both the Stub Me Down show and the show we talked about. That was a great conversation, killer sand. But that summer tour was really fun, and this show was awesome. Let's see. This was my 17th show overall. This was the fifth show that I was seeing of six in 2000. The hiatus was looming. Fish had already said they were going to be taking a break when they wrapped up in October. So I only had a few shows left after this September 15th show. You and I went up. This ended up being your your fifth show. Is that correct? That is correct. Two home bell, two Camden. And then I thought I was off the train for a little while. And then you were like, look, man, fall tour. Going back to listen to this was great. I have not listened to this show in quite a while. There are some nuggets here that I was really very happy to hear once again. 
All right, so let's talk about this first set. First tube, which I think is a banger. Gata Jabu comes in at a nice, like, 12-minute Karina, which was my first time hearing that, and then I didn't hear it for years, but it's not my show. I just wanted to say that. Birds of a Feather, Windora Bug, Run Like an Antelope, a Sweet Golgi, real quick one, and then ending with a Bittersweet Motel, which... I guess they had to mention Pennsylvania out there. Sorry to offend anybody, but you're mentioning Pennsylvania. That comes in real short and then ends the first set. I really enjoyed this first set. The first couple songs, first tube, Jabu, were on the recent released Farmhouse. Farmhouse came out in May of 2000. So it was cool to see these tunes, especially because they had just come out on the album. And Jabu is a really fun tune. And First Tube is, as you said, a banger is a good way to describe it. That's going to get... If they're going to drop a First Tube to open the show, I, I feel pretty good about how that show might go. The God of Jabu, definitely groovy. A lot of people dancing. Karina's nice. I had heard it at Big Cypress which was also the last time they had played it. The Birds of a Feather was super high energy, and Paige just blows that away. The Windora Bug is actually the one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit here, because they've only played two Windora Bugs in the history of the band, and the second one was this show. And I really enjoy the reggae. It's got a little bit of a Makasupa feel, but it's a little bit reggae. It's got a little bit of space. A lot of fun. I would be ecstatic if Fish brought this back into the mix. That would be a lot of fun for them to bring back. I did think that that bittersweet motel was very strangely placed. I understand that anytime they're in Pennsylvania, aside from Philly, they're going to play because halfway between Erie and Pittsburgh, even if it's not actually anywhere near Erie or Pittsburgh, they're going to probably throw out a bittersweet motel. It was near Harrisburg, though. Not Pittsburgh. It was near a burg. Perhaps that works in this instance, but the Golgi apparatus that they played leading into that bittersweet motel was really rocking here on stub me down we happen to be a little bit of a fan of that song golgi apparatus and and this is funny too and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about this in the second set but the fishman is underrated hill that you climbed up on in episode five with billy i really feel that this show was a fishman featured show the antelope he was unreal we'll get into the second set some of the things there but fishman was very very strong at this particular show and it's impossible to ignore the rhythm section from this particular show the jabu well and the first tube sold that for me as far as he's not underrated quite possibly maybe he's overrated I don't know. I would doubt that any fish fan would say that. I think in the first tube in the God of Jabu, I, he holds that together for the first 20 minutes right out of the box. The Windora Bog is interesting that you know that I'm not a stats guy. Josh is more of a stats guy than I am. I had no idea that was only the second time that was played. So, And the last time they played this song was at 
this show, 915-2000. They have not played Windora Bug since. I'm, so they haven't played it now in 20 years, which is crazy to me. But I, what I wanted to ask you is the, the stop-start. Do you feel that is something that Fish has gotten over? This is encompassing the whole show. And again, I, I feel bad for not asking you a first set question, but like, I really feel like this stop, start, back into the jam. And it is, to use one of your words, like seamless. What's your feeling about that? And do you think they kind of maybe need to bring that back a little bit? And it seemed like they were doing it a lot more and, and then they kind of got away from that. That might be because of, you know, two breaks. Now we're at 3.0 and a lot of people want to call this next one coming up 4.0, but we won't know until we see them. I'm a huge fan of the stop start jam. I have always been a huge fan of the stop start jam, especially when they start to stack them up a couple times and everybody then starts to anticipate, ooh, are they gonna do it again? And it just, it feels funky, it feels dirty. I absolutely love a good stop start jam. I like when they loop them together with a guitar loop or a keys loop that's very subtle and it's just kind of a repetitive sound that they don't necessarily fade out of and then you're wondering are they gonna are they gonna pick that back up and that anticipation of they might go back into that and then when they do that's a great style of tension and release jam that this band has perfected so I am a big fan of the stop start. I'm a big fan of them doing it in the middle of these heavy jams where there might be a natural progression to an end that they put out there, but then they can pick up right where they left off 10 seconds later, 20 seconds later. We talked about the divided sky ego pause. If they could do a stop start jam like that, sign me up. Oh, so you would accept an ego pause at the stop start, but not divided sky or? I would be interested in how that would sound. Them being in the middle of a jam, stopping it, Trey doing his thing, walking around the stage, you know, maybe there's a little bit of background noise or something, and then, boom, they hit right back into the middle of that jam. And that's one of the things I look at musicians, and I'm in awe of, especially a band like Fish or The Grateful Dead, is the knowledge of where the other players are. And to stop something, and then pick it up exactly in that moment. Whereas if that gap didn't exist, it would be seamless. That is what I think is one of the coolest features of Fish. And I would be more for stop-start jams, but for the fact that if they became more common, they wouldn't be as cool. They're a lot better than the Woos. I get a little bit frustrated that they don't do some of the old things. And I think that's kind of maybe if you think about what other fans want to hear, they want to hear the older way that they did things and now they're not hearing it and it's something new and it's something that they disagree with. I don't agree with the woos, 
but I do agree with the stop start. And I just wanted to ask you about that as an entire show. So just to review the first set, uh, first tube, again, I thought that was such a banger. Please listen to that one, it's good. Got a Jabu, which is also really, really good. A Karina, a Raging Birds of Feather. As Josh said, a Windora Bug, which I'm not a stats guy. Apparently it's the only the second time it was played and I happen to be there, I just don't remember it. <laughs> a really sweet run like an antelope. I like the build up in this one. A Golgi apparatus that just pushes through real quick. And then a bittersweet motel, which Josh had just said that he doesn't agree with the placement there. I'm not so sure that I do either. And I don't think we're gonna get a lot of haters disagreeing with that. Josh, any more context you wanna provide for that first set or, or are you good with that? No, I'm good. Oh, well. That's simple. We've got it simple. All right, so second set starts out with the Piper. Then we have the Lizards. This is gonna be interesting because as I see it, it says tube into a jam, which I don't necessarily agree with that. But then when the circus comes to town, Josh's favorite character, Zero, and then that ends the set and the encore is a possum. J-Dubs, thoughts before we start talking about the second set and I bore you with my questions. <laughs> Five song second set. What is magical about a five song second set? Now, of course, if you look at the official statistics of this show, it is counted as a six song second set. Because of that jam that comes after two. We, we can talk about that in a minute. I thought this was a great second set. The character Zero, I don't even think I listened to. The possum at the end made up for it. It was like a 12-minute possum to send us home. Great. The first four songs of this set, I, you could, yeah, I don't even need the circus. The Piper, the Lizards, and the Tube into Jam, or the Tube and the Jam, however you want to call it, that is some of the best fish that I have enjoyed. And to go back and re-listen to this show really brought those feelings back. I had forgotten how good that Tube and the Jam was. I forgot how good that Piper was to open the set. Now listen, I am not a huge fan of Piper. But when I listen back to the Piper at 20 minutes, it's great. I am a fan of the Lizards, and then it's like, it's Piper Lizards 2. So these three songs alone are almost an hour long. All right, 40 minutes, it's not an hour. Okay, well it's over a half hour, so it's close to an hour. The Piper at about four minutes or so, and this was one thing I caught that caught my ear immediately. About four minutes into the Piper, the pace was insane. And trying to keep up with dancing to that, taking it all in at once, very, very challenging because it was just crazy. Fishman was riding a cymbal about halfway through at about the 10 minute mark. Fishman shined brightly during this second set. Really, the Piper was a Fishman-featured part of this set. 
I saw Piper at my first show. I've seen a lot of Pipers, and this one was really very, very good. Yeah, I love this version of Piper. Little dark. It gets it gets a little bit dark in the middle there. I always think about that June 29th, 2000 fish show, your second show we did on episode three about that sand and that creeping through the alleyway. And the Piper here gives a very similar type of feel to that. Very kind of dark, a little bit dirty. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen. A lot of fun. A lot of fun in that Piper. Yeah, and I miss that about 1.0 shows. I mean, if there's one thing I could rank about 1.0 shows is that they were actually going a lot of places that I like to go. And obviously, based on your comments there, there were places that you like to go as well. Then after a, a, a Lizards, which is not quick, by the way, you know, it's a decent Lizards there. And I, I have to go back and listen to that one again because... I want to talk about the tube. Can we talk about tube? <laughs> because it says tube jam. I, I, I don't agree with that. And that's where I want to go back to my first question was that stop start, which, you know, quite honestly, the tube is the definition of that there. And I don't really think it should be called tube jam. It should just be the tube because it's almost a 20 minute tube and everybody's been crying for over a 10 minute tube for the last 15 years. So it's not always about length and time, but for me today, it is. It's interesting about this tube. And I, I did think it was interesting that this has been, the set list nerd in me wants to talk to the person that decided to list it as tube into jam. And I suspect that the reason why is because they do the stop start, but then Trey counts off into the jam. One, two, three, and they pick back up the jam. So, but the jam is two. It's still, it's still the same song. They get a little type two in the second part of that. So in probably the last eight minutes or so, nine minutes or so, they do take it a little bit type two. But that weird count off, I think, is what gives the setlist nerds the okay. We have to track this as a separate track. Now, of course, when I listen to it, it goes all into one. The other part of it is that the tubes up to this point that I had seen. This was the fourth one that I've seen. I've seen thirty. I hadn't really seen any short tubes up to this point they'd all been you know eight seven nine this was 17 i'd seen a couple good ones now we look at it as make tube jam again you see the shirts all over the place tube did jam and apparently they didn't want to call the tube jam tube they wanted to call it something separate well and that i mean Whatever, you just answered my question because I'm gonna disagree and just say, well, am I disagreeing? I don't even know what I'm, I'll disagree with the fan base out there that says that was a jam that because Trey counted one, two, and it's actually one, two, I think it's at the eight minute mark. And uh, I don't really care, it's two. And it's almost 20 minutes and I have a good time talking to other friends of mine that say, have you ever seen a tube jam over 
10 minutes. And I'm like, yes, I have it. It happens to be uh, September 15th, 2000. And the gem is amazing, uh, especially when trade counts off. They get really dark and dirty towards the end of that jam too. Right around probably uh, that 15 or 16 minute mark. It's very spacey and then they come right back to it. So uh, they do a lot of different things in that jam. I would highly recommend that jam. Oh, that's me listening to it. Whoops. <laughs> I feel like it's the highlight of the show. But shit, I haven't even gotten to my question yet. Do we even have to ask it? I don't even think I have to ask it, do I? I will say that I noted in the set book that I was keeping during that tour, I did not write it as tube into jam. I just wrote it as tube into when the circus comes to town. And I, because I was there with you, that was a show that we were at together, I will say, it was just two. It just happened to be that in that summer they were doing that. For me, anyway, I'd never seen a bunch of this stuff. In case anybody out there hasn't heard like previous episodes, I, I was really new in 2000 and this was only the fifth show that I had seen. They were doing this start stop thing, which I had never seen the Grateful Dead do. Uh, I'd never seen Jerry do. I didn't have like this wide vocation of shows that I had seen besides Grateful Dead, Jerry, and maybe some other concerts along the way um, that were local, but I had never really see a band stop a jam and just totally not do anything and then jump right into it 30 seconds, a minute and a half later, and then pick it up right where they stopped. So that to me was super interesting about Fish and this tube jam does that. And even though Trey counts off, I don't think that really constitutes like this notation that it was a jam. Yeah, it was it was two. So yeah, we don't even have to ask my question. <laughs> I think we just talked about it for the past five minutes. Anything else you want to add to the tube slash jam? Yes, I will say Fishman, very, very strong. If you're looking at it from about the 12, 13 minute mark, Fishman is absolutely destroying. He's keeping like seven rhythms. I, I don't even know. And I am not a musician. I played guitar for like five minutes when I was a little kid. I don't know shit. I do know that somehow one man has four limbs but can keep seven rhythms and was doing that in this jam and it was phenomenal. He even hits the wood block a couple times. Like if, you, like if you use the wood block, he's an octopus. All over, he is all over. and. I wish that Livefish would release this as a segment of music. The whole set from the Piper to the Encore, minus the zero that we have now talked about every single Fish show we've done. Like, this is not on purpose, people. We're not trying, we don't, this is not on purpose. These are random shows we're pulling. Character Zero has been at every fish show we have pulled through seven episodes of stub me down i don't know i don't know but that's a it's a karma thing the, the fish gods are mad at me because i don't like character zero so they want to make me talk about it every time we talk about a fish show well we're not going to talk about it. i'm not talking about character zero i didn't even mention it well you just did but that's okay we're gonna skip over it the possum close out 11 minute raging possum 
I love Possum. I love all the animal songs. Possum was a great rager to send us home. I really had a lot of fun listening back to this show. I wish there were some soundboards of this somewhere kicking around because I would love to hear that tube. I would love to hear the Jaboo on the first set again in that quality. Of course, the odds that I have are decent, but being able to revisit this one, we're lucky as far as the shows we've seen when it comes to re-listenability. Skinny, you just want to run through the second set? I do, and here it is, because it's a five-song second set, so it's real easy to get through this one. Piper, The Lizards, Tube, When the Circus Comes to Town, your favorite, Zero, and then they encore with the possum. And that wraps the second. And the encore, obviously. I mean, do we have to say that every time? I feel like such an idiot saying five songs, second set, and then the encore. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. All right, well, look, so if, if there's any type of context you want to provide, because I, I really like that deep dive into the tube, and, you know, maybe we should keep doing that. Um, I feel like maybe we're dancing around a little bit, and we can, we can uh, get more into the music. And if fans out there don't think that we're doing it justice, all right, well, let us know. But right now, Josh... I guess I want to know what other context you have to provide. I remember the music and I remember how awesome that was. And I remember leaving very satisfied. You reminded me of a couple of things when we were talking about the show itself and some of the location. I remember it was hot that day. We were in that Hershey Park Stadium and they had that. It was almost like a rollout plastic floor that they had put over the turf and so it wasn't something that you could really walk around like barefoot on it had like you know these plastic nubs that stuck up through the floor and it was hot it radiated heat from not only above but below and then you mentioned something about a girl that had like had too much too fast sometime during the first set. You want to throw that story out there? Yeah, so I we were really crushed up towards the front. And I want to say we were 15 to 20, right dead center. So the, the floor was packed. And I remember it, at some point, right even before this girl passed out, like, and had to be literally carried out right in front of us. And that's when I was like, oh my God. So at the time, this was like the height of their popularity, their exposure, whatever it may be. For me, my fifth show in, I'm crushed at Hershey Park Stadium, which has been there for like a hundred years. It's not the nicest venue. Uh, Is it cool? Have I seen other shows there? Yes, but it was packed. And right in front of me, and Josh, a girl gets like carried out of there and passed out for whatever reason. Uh, and I just remember the, the rush was on and and we were still, we weren't super close. We were close enough and we could feel the music. And that's why I mentioned that bass line right out of first two. You could hear that, you could feel that in your soul a little bit. And I kind of got a little bit nervous about the, the floor aspect, where Hershey is and like how it's constructed. 
it's very old bathrooms are limited it's just packed all around there un unless you go up and the far side bleachers on either side of quote unquote the field yeah i just remember it was it was really packed and i was like man this band is super popular so yeah we were pretty close as i recall and and i do remember when that chick had to get carried out and there was a it felt like a little bit of a panic around us because the kids that were with her didn't know exactly what to do. I, I, I even recall a little bit saying, you need to get her off the floor. You need to you know, get her out of this area and trying to clear a path as they decided to, to move her. Unfortunately, that's not the only time we've seen situations like that. But that was uh, one of those venues where it didn't feel very organized and there was a lot of concerns about the the quickest way out and, and things like that. Nonetheless, a great show. The second set, we definitely settled down. I feel like we found a little bit of a better spot. We slid a little bit back and had a great experience for the second set. Just a great show overall. Great musically to go back and listen to. I think the highlights are definitely... Jabu, the first two of Jabu in the first set. Check out that Windora Bug because they've only played it twice and you're probably some noob out there thinking, I've never heard a song called Windora Bug. Well, go and check it out. Maybe you'll uh, get some cred on the lot the next time you talk about it. But great show overall and knowing that this was going to be one of the last shows before the hiatus, they really, they really brought it and we went home happy and here we are 20 years later talking about it again yeah i'm so glad that you pulled this one too i think there's so much to talk about and i think it's great that we're starting to grow again just to go back to our conversation in the beginning like what do we think we're doing right i think what we're starting to do right is we're starting to talk about the music as people that are not necessarily musically inclined so i'll say what we're good listeners <laughs> I hope that we're good listeners. I think we're doing some justice to uh, our memories and, and we hope that you guys are enjoying our uh, sharing of those because we, we definitely are having a great time. Here we are, episode seven. It seems like we got the rules down, down a little bit about what Stub Me Down is and we're gonna replicate it moving forward. If you're interested in following us, you can check us out on Twitter at stub underscore me underscore down. We also have an Instagram account at the same handle, stub underscore me underscore down. Give us some feedback. Let us know if you were at any of these shows, any of your comments, if you disagree with any of our takes, you want to chime in with your own experiences, we'd love to hear from you. We want to remember these shows, and it's important to keep in mind others' experiences at these concerts as well. No, man, we've talked about a lot, but again, I'm going to talk again. I'm just super appreciative of this opportunity, and uh, we're going to keep moving forward with this, and I'm so excited to keep talking about shows that we've seen, or maybe the other has not seen, but it's it's great to talk to Josh, and, and hopefully face-to-face -face talk to Josh. There's a lot to talk about. Can I say talk again? <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. We've seen a ton of great concerts and it's great to relive them and to also be enlightened by some concerts that each other wasn't at. 
as we saw in episode six and as we will see again. So we are appreciative. Thanks so much for listening to Stub Me Down and we will see you the next time you need to get out of your shitty seats and down to the path. Is that it? Later. Later.